Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You also learn, ladies and gentlemen, that George Floyd struggled uh, with an opioid addiction. He struggled with it for years. Uh, You will learn that he did not die from a drug overdose. He did not die from an opioid overdose. Why? Because you'll be able to look at the video footage and you see he looks absolutely nothing like a person who would die from an opioid overdose. You will learn that opioids are tranquilizers. And when a person dies from an opioid overdose, what do they look like? First and foremost, asleep, in a stupor. And they never come to again. And they simply pass away, opioid overdose. They're not screaming for their lives. They're not calling on their mothers. They are not begging, please, please, I can't breathe. That's not what an opioid overdose looks like. So that's the prosecution. I mm-hmm. originally thought it was the defense, but okay, it's the prosecution. Yeah, They're clearly. Trying to, trying to say that doesn't look like a guy who dr- died from the drugs. He died from, well, a guy kneeling on his neck. Yeah, it's probably worth pointing out that in the opening statements and closing statements, the rules of evidence don't apply. And there, the judge does have certain things he will allow and not allow. Um, and, and they're careful about that sort of thing. But you don't have to prove anything in an opening statement. It's just your hello to the jury, really. Uh, here's a little of the defense from today. The evidence will show that Mr. Floyd died of a cardiac arrhythmia that occurred as a result of hypertension. It's coronary disease, the ingestion of methamphetamine and fentanyl, and the adrenaline throwing, flowing through his body, all of which acted to further compromise an already compromised heart. But if you hadn't knelt on my neck, I might not have died. I mean, how do you, how do you fix that one? Yeah, if it's a nine-point system, say, and uh, the kneeling on the neck was two points, well, he's kind of a contributor. Right. It's funny, I was listening to, uh, funny, strange, not funny, haha. I was listening to some of the opening statement during the commercials from the uh, prosecution. And you always get swayed when the one side presents. And I've been a juror several times, too. And you just, you have to keep an open mind because half the truth can be incredibly misleading. Yeah. So does it, is there an advantage to going last? Because I've had this experience watching some of these big TV trials before, too. I thought the prosecution in oj after i watched that i thought oh he's doomed that was amazing then i saw the defense okay they made a lot of really good points there is there an advantage to going last just because it's the last impression i've got i think so it's uh, it's diminished by the fact that then they have closing arguments Mm -hmm. where they really try to distill it down to the main points they want in the jurors heads of course then you get into the jury room and you argue about it so then it kind of gets spread out Right, right. And then you get into the jury room and you realize that, uh, you know, uh, from uh, a quarter to a half of your cohorts can't reason, weren't paying attention, completely misinterpreted what they heard, and you think, sweet God, this is the best system in the world, and it's terrible. That is my experience. Scary. Oh, boy. 
That's why I'm always saying, look, if you're a listener to the show and you could rub two thoughts together, please be a juror. Please don't try to get out of jury duty because there are people, the trajectory of their lives is at stake. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if it's not like a life sentence or anything like that, uh, I mean, if you if you are a convicted felon or not a convicted felon, based on these 12 yahoos in the jury room, that's a serious business. Or a convicted uh, wife beater or uh, whatever else. Molester. Yeah. I mean, these are huge things. Yeah, and trust me, they're out there right now. Maybe they're walking past your office window. Maybe they're driving down your street right now. There is a numbskull who's going oh. to be on a jury, and it's going to be up to you to balance them out. So please perform your jury duty. I'd be scared to be on this George Floyd, especially as a white male, to be on that jury. If I was convinced after hearing all the evidence that uh, Chauvin is not guilty in his death or uh, responsible for his death, I'd be scared. Yeah, Somebody's going to leak that information out. And then, you know, God help you. It's incredibly hard to keep a secret these days or, or you know, to keep secret where you live or I'd what have you. I mean, somebody's close... going to dox them because the, yeah. the BLM crowd and some of their Marxist allies, they would think nothing of sacrificing, never mind those who sincerely believe this, there are those who are cynical enough and power-hungry enough, they would think nothing of sacrificing one innocent white person to advance their cause by doxing them, exposing them, causing horrific violence on them. Well, there was at least one juror that got out of being on the jury because they said they were scared. Um, I I don't know how that argument works, but I'd certainly be scared for my kids. Do I, I owe I owe society being on a jury. I don't owe my skid my kids being scared and my whole family being scared. That's a tough one. Well, right, and the judge will occasionally, uh, in my experience, make a crack if you admit. Look, I'm just afraid to render a particular verdict. I I'm afraid I would be hurt. My family would be hurt. The rest of it, um, they will just send you home. And and be be glad you're honest about it, because you can't have somebody like that on a jury. And drive your card coward car to your coward house and sit down to your coward table at your coward dinner. <laughs> Tell your children what a coward you are. Wham with the gavel. No, I'm I'm kidding. I don't I don't know what I would do. No, I I absolutely would understand. Particularly, you know, if you have little kids or what have you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in fact as an American, I'm afraid for these jurors. Sure. I think they'll probably keep them safe. Probably. I don't know if you can. You said it's hard to. I think it's impossible to keep anything With facial recognition and what have you and you social need, media. And- you need one person in the entire system of that courthouse and media. One person who who thinks this, you know, who's all worked up about this and thinks it's a good idea to get the names out. One. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they're out and there's no catching, figuring out where the leak came from. Or somebody who just recognizes somebody and doesn't have the judgment to keep their mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, that's uh, Timmy's dad from soccer on the jury. And then they everybody likes to have a good story, and you tell your buddy, hey, you know, I know one of the jurors. Then it's out. And as we've been saying all along, the uh, the race hucksters and dividers and profiteers of uh, racial disharmony are in Minnesota right now trying to whip up emotions as much as they can yeah, we and create little... an expectation that there's got to be a conviction. We played a little Al Sharpton earlier. I don't mind if Al Sharpton's there and gets up and, s- and says, I want the truth to come out. 
I hope we get a fair trial with all the evidence presented and a fair-minded jury come to a conclusion. That's hilarious. But that's not what people say. He, he jumped to the ending before the trials even started on how it should turn out. And if it turns out any other way, we should burn down the buildings. He didn't right. say so that. So whether but... we have more to go to build a movement <laughs> of resistance, but resist, we much. Yes. We must and we will much about that be committed. In less eloquent times. <laughs> That's a work of art in its own way. <laughs> you know? Uh, but it is uh, it is awful. He doesn't say anything like what you described. <laughs> he pronounces the guy guilty, and if he is not found guilty, there should be uh, hell to pay. Resist we much. <laughs> and we must. And we much. <laughs> or whether we have more to go. <laughs> To build a movement of resistance. But resist, we much. We must and we will much about that That. be committed. Right. (laughs) Right? When you're in a hole, stop digging. Just say, excuse me, I meant to say. And then start over. No, 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 I can save this. I can absolutely save this. I can save this? Yeah. Shoestring catch coming in three, two, one. You're going to love this. That's funny, and yet it's horrifying. Yeah. So uh, we do need to tell you about this Elizabeth Warren tweet that, that, that came out on Friday and got quite a bit of attention, particularly the last line. Let's see if you find it troubling or not. And it's an excellent opportunity to beat up on Elizabeth Warren. Just a delicious opportunity. But I think it's it means more than that. I think it's bigger than just an opportunity to catch somebody saying something stupid. I thought we had smoked peace pipe with Elizabeth Warren. But oh we're still... boy! Wow, that was just that was. Uh, I wish the segment had ended ten seconds ago. That's what I wish. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Background checks are a great start, but shouldn't we also do current checks? Like, what are these guys up to now? You know, how much Call of Duty are they playing? Have they recently DM'd a girl, hey, 30 times? (laughs) Or how about this? If you want a gun, the gun store has to talk to at least five people from your life who agree it's a good idea for you to have a gun. It's really not that much to ask. You gotta list three references on an application to work at Foot Locker. Um, just got a text from home, so Big Z the dog has a raccoon up the telephone pole, so that's the excitement there. My son is really into that, seeing how if that's going to turn out. don't write a song with that line in it, I will <laughs> sue you in open court. <laughs> Big Z's got a raccoon up the telephone pole. Oh, yeah. Oh, if only Elizabeth Warren had chosen her words so carefully. She was tweeting about breaking up by Amazon, okay, as the great protector of uh, the consumer and the rest of it. And her last tweet was, we need to break up Amazon so it won't be powerful enough to heckle senators with snotty tweets. Congratulations for using the term snotty, which I haven't heard since I was about eight. But uh, uh, Jonah Goldberg wrote a great column about this, how incredibly strange and troubling it was that a U.S. senator would tweet that. 
So she's just offended that they're that they feel they have the power to criticize a senator? Right. And, you know, Goldberg, in his way, he makes the point so eloquently, that would require a lot of breaking up. Amazon could still heckle Warren at half its size or one one-hundredth of its size. Jeff Bezos could give away all of his shares and open a frozen banana stand, and he could still heckle Elizabeth Warren pretty much because any American citizen can any time we want, and thank God. And he compares U.S. senators to, like, Roman senators who, God help you if you insulted one of them in the street or something like that. But it, but he makes a point, outside the Senate, a senator doesn't have any power to do anything. They don't have power over you. They can't tell you what to do or where to go or what to say or what not to say. Yeah, that is really interesting. He, the president can't either. It's really interesting right. the way we, we do power in this country, so different from all throughout history. The president of the United States... In theory, the most powerful person on earth could not walk into this room and tell me to, you know, clean up my area. No. Or anything else. Or anything else. Say anything, do anything, buy anything. That's why it's so troubling when the government does tell you what you can say, do, or buy, or not buy, or that sort of thing. And then he makes a point, and it's really good. In many ways, regulating power, political, is what civilization's all about. Uh, For instance, the president of the United States is the most powerful person in the world, uh, while he can deploy staggering military might halfway around the globe, he can't tell me to do a damn thing, at least not without a lot of paperwork, and even then it would be hard. Then he compares, like, uh, Putin and Xi Jinping and how they can absolutely tell you what to do at any moment in any way. Um, and then uh, he says uh, senators can't make you do anything, or they have no power to do anything other than to nominate candidates to the service academies and send out a lot of mail. Beyond that, a senator can't do jack without the help of a bunch of other senators. It's a good point. So what was the exact line from Elizabeth Warren's tweet again? Uh, scrolling upward, uh, we need to break up Amazon. You know, I don't have the exact tweet in front of me. It just has the last half so that it won't be powerful enough to heckle senators with sn- snotty tweets. Hang on a second. That was a weird thing for her to say. How uh, unaware. Yeah. Say something interesting, I'm typing. I could tweet at her right now, I think you're full of crap, you fake Indian. <laughs> I mean, no, and nobody can stop me from doing that. That's a good one. That's a good one. Hit her with the Indian thing. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, you're making a point, weren't you? Uh, let's see. Uh, she tweeted a clip. Um, you be quiet, you autoplaying bastard. Sorry. Wow. Um. Let's see. So she tweeted a clip from Thursday's Senate Finance Committee hearing in which she accuses Amazon and other companies of manipulating the tax code to avoid paying their fair share. And this is this is so good. Amazon. Now, I think Jeff Bezos is evil. I think Amazon has done a hell of a lot of damage. The tech giants scare me almost as much as the government. But having said that, this is a great reply. You make the tax laws, Senator Warren. We just follow them. If you don't like the laws you've created, by all means, change them. Adding that Amazon has paid billions of dollars in corporate taxes over the past few years alone. And then they go into some detail. Um, bah, 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 bah. And while you're working on changing the tax, tax code, can we please raise the federal minimum wage to $15? Amazon asked Warren. There you go. There's the evil side trying to crush small business crush any competition to their empire by raising wages to the point that no small business can pay them. Uh, That's nice. 
Then uh, Warren hit back. I didn't write the loopholes you exploit. Your armies of lawyers and lobbyists did. Wait a minute. Yeah, the lawyers and lobbyists wrote them, but y'all passed them. Yeah. Um, Okay, so here it is. She might not Uh, have specifically herself voted for him, but a majority did. Right. Uh, I didn't write the loopholes you exploit, Amazon. Your armies of lawyers and lobbyists did. But you bet I'll fight to make you pay your fair share and fight your union busting and fight to break up big tech so you're not powerful enough to heckle senators with snotty tweets. Was she just, did she have uh, like two, three glasses of cooking, Sherry, at the end of the evening? There with her husband in her kitchen. Thanks for being here, honey. (laughs) Yeah, a little fire water. Yeah. Oh, boy. Again, really unfortunate there. Uh, That's something. How tone deaf can you be? Boy, but, you know, as much as I dislike Elizabeth Warren and her tone and her fake Indian heritage and the rest of it, who do you root for in that fight? Amazon just despicable in so many ways. And she's right that their lobbyists and, and lawyers do write the laws. And then the Senate passes them and the House passes them. Think I'm going to get myself a beer. Remember that? Those were good oh, times. Good times. <laughs> thanks for being here, honey. And he's like, I live here. What do you mean, thanks for being here? This is my own kitchen. My kitchen. <laughs> Want a beer? No. No, that'd be kind of weird. Who are you no. talking to? <laughs> oh, you're talking to your phone again. Okay, I'm going to go over here. All right. Oh. Thanks. Bye, honey. I'm just walking into the family room. You don't have to say goodbye to me. Thanks for being here. <laughs> I was just sewing a buffalo bladder into a ball for the kids to play with. No. No? He had, he had to. He couldn't stop. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Pepsi announced a new Peeps-flavored soda for Easter. It's perfect for Easter because it will make your digestive system say, Jesus Christ. (laughs) During a congressional hearing, Mark Zuckerberg confirmed that he was creating an Instagram for kids. Wow, an app filled with pictures of just kids? What could possibly go wrong? Did anybody react to that news positively about that Instagram for kids idea? I was immediately chilled. Call me paranoid, but... No. Well, you are somewhat familiar with the Internet. So, yeah, that's the natural reaction. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which reminds me of that, sorry, that David French story about that Mm. Christian camp that they are molesting children. We ought to talk about that maybe tomorrow. Troubling. What was the most misreported story of the weekend? By far, there's not a close second. The Georgia election laws that got passed. Mm. So they're talking about uh, not having the Masters or the NBA All-Star Game in Georgia unless those laws are overturned. There's all kinds of crazy talk happening. Because of these awful, awful laws they talked about all weekend long, the Republicans trying to keep democracy from happening and, and the most abhorrent of all, not even allow people to have a drink of water on a hot day. Okay, so we'll get into that in just a second. But this is from the Wall Street Journal. Jim Eagle and Georgia's voting law. Biden compares state voting bills to Jim Crow. Never mind the facts. I'm just going to read this. This is from the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal. 
Georgia passed its overhyped voting law on Thursday, and the news was met with more of the same. President Biden said at his news conference that the voting bills percolating in the GOP legislatures are un-American, sick, pernicious, and worse. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Come on, man, as Mr. Biden likes to say. The comparison is grotesque, and seeing that only requires swimming sideways for a minute to escape the rip current of the media narrative. Take a look at what's actually in the legislation and what isn't. Georgia's new law leaves in place Sunday voting, a point of contention with earlier proposals, given that black churches have souls to the polls tradition after the services. I was bothered by that, too. But that's not in there. The legislature rather decided to expand weekend early voting statewide by requiring two Saturdays instead of only one under current law. In total, Georgia offers three weeks of early voting, which began last year on October 12th. This is not exactly restrictive. Compare that with the early voting that started October 24th last year in New York or other places. The new law also leaves in place no excuses absentee voting. Every eligible Georgia voter will continue to be allowed to request a mail ballot for the sake of simple convenience for no reason at all. Again, this is hardly restrictive. More than a dozen states, including Connecticut and Delaware, require male voters to give a valid excuse. But Georgia does not anymore. So what does the Georgia law do? First, it gets rid of signature matching, so election workers aren't trying to verify mail ballots by comparing John Hancock's. This subjective process should concern both sides. It creates avenues for contested outcomes with fighting over ambiguous signatures, and it goes through how many ballots over the years have been fought over, blah, 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 blah. Instead of signature matching, blah, 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 blah. I'll get to that. The um, uh, Georgians who vote in person are already asked to show identification. Anyone who lacks an ID can get one for free. Um, the you got to show an ID, which is overwhelmingly popular. I've got uh, the, the stats on that somewhere. I could dig them up. Like 75% of Americans are, uh, are in favor of having to show an ID. Even Democrats. I mean, just everybody. Of course. Of course, it's, it's self-evident. That one Everybody is, has an ID on them all the time. Yeah, that's that's a complete like just red herring when you comp- when you claim that that's some sort of restrictive voting because people like that the idea. Um, skip down to this one because I really thought this was good because this came up so many times on the talk shows yesterday. Well, Joe Biden said it the other day. I don't think we have that clip. They're not going to allow people to have a drink of water, man. I mean, what is this? And they brought it up on the talk shows yesterday. By the way, the Republicans did a horrible job, or the conservative guests on any of these shows are pushing back against it. Much hay is being made about the provision that prevents third parties from giving gifts, including food and drink, to those standing in line at the polls. The point is to prevent activists from showing up in union shirts, or National Rifle Association shirts, for that matter, and passing out drinks and snacks with some subtle electioneering thrown in these sorts of laws have existed forever and i think they're a really good idea as for the genuinely thirsty the new law specifically allows poll workers to provide self-service water from an unattended receptacle also the legislation recognizes that it's a failure if voters have to stand in long lines and get parched that's why the it says the wait times at large precincts must be measured three times a day if the line hits an hour changes are required before the next election so you get penalized so the idea wow. that you can't have a drink of water is just a lie what you're trying to avoid is you don't want the local teachers union or the nra or whoever to show up with morton sandwiches and sparkling water and a little electioneering shown in and then announce that hey and by the way we'll have morton sandwiches for every voter who shows up and that sort of thing we've always tried to discourage that sort of thing at polling places but on the talk shows yesterday and and people that should know better than this 
Apparently, they just took the Democratic talking points or Joe Biden's talking points and never looked any deeper. How could you not allow people to get a drink of water? Well, as, as you just heard, you can get a drink of water. Any polling place can provide as much water as they want. You just can't have outside parties doing that. Boy, that's amazingly dishonest. Number one, I get it. The partisans just want to score points and the truth be damned. But the fact that Biden, the president, would say not only compare this to Jim Crow, the Jim Crow era, in which black Americans were physically intimidated away from voting or excluded through fake means. I mean, it was a horrific point in our history. For him to not only compare this to that, but then say this is worse? Significantly At least that's worse. The way it I makes took the... Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. I think from your tone you mean it's worse because that's generally in the English language the way you express that thought, although the whole Jim Eagle thing has got me scratching my head. But to say that this is worse. Is a bigger bird? I I still am just a little. Or more patriotic? I don't get it. Anyway, uh, for him to do that not only is a lie about this current legislation and a vicious one and a really nasty, racially divisive lie, but it diminishes the Jim Crow era. Because what am I to think? Maybe I'm some young person. Uh, oh, to be young again. But And I hear Biden say that. Then it turns out that this law is completely innocent. I'm not going to think, wow, I want to look into that Jim Crow era of our history and find out what it means. You'll think, ah, everybody's a liar. I can read more on this. The law makes ballot drop boxes a permanent part of Georgia's voting architecture. They weren't before. The terms are tighter than they were during last year's pandemic emergency. But how is that part of Jim Crow 2.0 to give absentee voters more options than they had in 2019? The legislative, uh, the legislation also says applications for mail-in ballots are due 11 days before the election instead of four days. If that's racist, so is the Postal Service, which urges voters to allow 15 days for delivery. Um, there, there, there seems like nothing about the pushback, at least the pushback that I'm hearing in most of the media, that's accurate about this. Wow, it's just all performative. It's all screaming and yelling. Nobody gives a damn about the facts. It's a little discouraging. Uh, this is what the editorial board at the Wall Street Journal says. No election rules are perfect. Ballot access, integrity, and administration are all important. Mr. Biden knows this. Democrats aren't smearing Georgia because they believe they're Jim Crow nonsense. Their strategy is to play the race card to justify breaking the Senate filibuster so they can jam through their election reform known as H.R. 1 and overrule 50 state voting laws. That is what's going on. It's it. look what they did in Georgia. And because of the filibuster, we can't stop that from happening. So we're going to have to do away with the filibuster. I mean, because if we don't do that, this is worse than Jim Crow. So right, it's an emergency. They've reinstated the, the, the Jim Crow laws. Uh-huh. Yeah, horrible. That is so horrible. I mean, if it was about some sort of expenditure or bridge or, I don't know, virtually anything, it would just be brutal dishonest politics. But because it's racial division, especially right now, to, to go ahead and throw that gasoline on that fire to get this done that is so morally reprehensible it's just it's incredible it makes you really cynical and a little bit angry i'm not gonna lie i would say it's cynical this is the most cynical political time in my life you have to go back to the 1800s or sometime or i don't know when it would be it's really amazing Yeah. yeah well that sucks on the other hand there's a big breakthrough in treating covid 
just in case you know oh, it continues good. on. Well, it's certainly continuing on in Europe. Uh, so a medical breakthrough, that's good news. We'll have that for you, among other things. I, just, 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 the show's practically over. Are we going to finish strong, or are we going to peter out like we usually do? Probably, Come on, team. Probably limp to the finish line. Why would we oh, change now? Yeah, exactly. All right, I give up. Armstrong and Getty. So, Lil Nas X, Old Town Road. I got Gucci on my booty. Lil Nas X unveiled a pair of new sneakers called Satan Shoes, which contain human blood and will be limited to only 666 pairs. There's a guy who's got no second act, who's really working hard to get attention, and so outrageous. Oh, I think boy. he may have overshot a little bit. That's just. <laughs> oh, by the way, that that reminded me of getting out over your skis. Did you see the ski jump crash? No. We had this Friday. <laughs> oh, no. Remember when we were kids, the uh, agony of defeat crash? Yeah, yeah. This one's not. It's, 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 it's more gruesome than that. Oh, I don't want to see that. It's. Oh. Well, we got it at the website if you want to at armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, yeah. And the other big video of the weekend, that uh, carjacking. I didn't, I didn't watch that. No, that's bad. Yeah. Okay. Kids. Kids are carjacking cars like crazy in Washington, D.C. Teenagers. Because? At gunpoint, taser point, whatever. Stealing cars. Okay, I way undershot my number on... Um, so, uh, people's feeling about showing a photo ID when you vote, the, the media is kind of acting like it's controversial. It's not really... Uh, overall, it's 75%. It's 74% for white, 69% for black people. <laughs> I mean, two thirds. Virtually of, the same. Yeah. 82% of other non white, all voters, 75%. So uh, 69% of black people don't seem to think it's Jim, Jim Eagle laws to show an ID. But anyway, um, the current CDC director is a woman uh, in the Biden administration, and apparently she got emotional on a press call today. And said there's been a 10% increase in cases over the last week. Warning of a European trajectory. And she said, right now, I'm scared. So. Wow. Now, Scott Gottlieb, uh, former head of the FDA, who's been my favorite guy in this since the beginning, he says, we've passed the number where bad things can happen, really. We got enough people that have either got the... Had the virus already or gotten the vaccine, we've crossed the number where it can really do us any damage. We're out of the woods. Unless a mutation comes along that beats the vaccine, which is unlikely, we can't get a bad fourth wave. Wow, those two are just, those do not match. Those do not jibe. No, they don't. Wow, wow, that's crazy. Uh, A quick uh, note from the world of science, and this news just broke, I think, more or less. Uh, the University of California at Davis, a.k.a. UC Davis, scientists say they may have uncovered the reason why some coronavirus patients recover while others don't. Attitude. They, f- <laughs> they found a special biomarker in blood plasma that can predict the severity of COVID cases. And they think they say it's an important clue that could help pave the path toward a treatment. Um, 
the biomarker is one of the most common dietary facts. And when our bodies are under extreme, I said, I meant to say fats. Um, when our bodies are under extreme stress, like when fighting the coronavirus, it can lead to what's known as acute respiratory distress syndrome. Causes fluid to build up in the lungs, second leading cause of death in COVID patients. Says the doctors, if we can block the production of that metabolite, then there's a possibility that we can block the pulmonary or the respiratory involvement in COVID. They've been studying it like crazy. Um, they don't, you know, I didn't go to the original source, which I usually try to do, but I don't often read frontiers in physiology. I should. Um, but this could be a, a big development if indeed the thing lasts long enough for anybody to care. Right. Having said that, Brazil or Italy, they're saying, yes, please keep studying it as things mm-hmm. are just horrific in those countries and a couple others. Uh, and has, you know, it, has it even had its swing in Africa and places like that? Not really. It hasn't been nearly as severe for a number of reasons, um, including uh, population density and climate, and and people are guessing. They don't know. Uh, But I wanted to get this on before we get done with the show. It is indisputable. The big WHO report has gotten leaked now about uh, the origin of the coronavirus. It is absolutely a red washing. That's my new term, whitewashing by the red Chinese. Um, and uh, former uh, Trump official Matt Pottinger is speaking out about that in the report. Give us clip 42, Sean. There was a direct order from Beijing to destroy all viral samples, and they didn't volunteer to share the genetic sequences Matt Pottinger, the then Deputy National Security Advisor, quoting from declassified intelligence information, says Beijing also hid that several researchers at the Wuhan lab had come down with COVID-like symptoms and that the Chinese military was working with the lab. There is a body of research that's been taking place uh, conducted by the Chinese military in collaboration with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which has not been acknowledged by the Chinese government. We've seen the data. I've personally seen the data. Why the military? Why were they in that lab? We don't know. It is a major lead that needs to be pursued by the press, certainly by the World Health Organization. Beijing is simply not interested uh, in allowing us to find the answers to those very pertinent questions. I'm sure it's nothing to worry about. Military showed up to the lab. I'm sure it's nothing to worry about. People routinely cover up crimes they didn't commit. No, wait, no, they don't. Nobody that's, ever does that. That's from last night's 60 Minutes, the first story. It's worth watching. It's pretty interesting. And now it's Final Thoughts with Armstrong and Getty. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. That's a fabulous idea. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. He's our technical director, pressing the buttons. Michelangelo, final thought? Yeah, I had a great picture of me taken this weekend. This past weekend, I had my hair done and uh, nice clothes and everything. Best Costco membership card I've ever done. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, positive Sean, our producer, has a final thought. Sean? Less than 48 hours away from Kong versus Godzilla, or Godzilla versus Kong, I forget. They're fighting each other. It will be. On my television screen, I can't wait. Who does Kong bow to, Sean? No one. Kong bows to no one. Wow, a proud ape. Jack, a final thought? By the way, it's like I get paid to promote 60 Minutes. I don't, but um, the second story was about the Boston Robotics Place. What's that company called? Boston something. Dynamics. Boston Dynamics, where they make the robots. They haven't let any major media in there the whole time. They put out their videos, but they've never let anybody in until last night on 60 Minutes. And it's... (laughs) 
freaking weird. <laughs> and the robots tore them limb from limb. Oh, I watched that with my son. It's it's something to see. My final thought was uh, is we had a great visit with my brother and his family, my uh, daughter and her boyfriend too over the weekend. And uh, my my brother has a couple of daughters, and I was reminded, though they are still in this stage, that the sweet innocent little girl stage is temporary and to be cherished. There's nothing more amazing than sweet little girls. I always, I've said this before, but I always knew I'd lo- love being a dad to a son, but I had no idea how much I'd love raising girls. And, uh, oh, their daughters are so sweet, but those days are, are numbered. And then what happens? Mm, you know, adulthood, adolescence. Adolescence, then adulthood, if you're lucky. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, the boys grow horns, the girls grow off in a sharp, sharp tongue. <laughs> That's a, you know, part of the cycle. And the toot and the tone of voice and the rest yeah. of it. Ar- Armstrong and Getty Rabbit got another grueling four-hour workday. That's right. It is natural and uh, as appropriate as can be. Just uh, It's a shame. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Pick yourself up some great A&G swag. Give it to your friends, your family, etc. Uh, yeah, you can buy cool stuff. I wear Armstrong and Getty t-shirts and things all the time, because I'm a weirdo like that. My own swag. Hey, what's wrong? Wow. See you tomorrow. God bless America. Sharp broadcast. Really good. And when it's over, it is over. It is over. I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry. It was epic. That's the fact, Jack. Oh, listen. <laughs> listen up, Jack Wagon. Words. We've left it all, as the athletes would say, we've left it all in the field. Cornova. Oh, and it's made it so much more expensive to get some <laughs> nice, tender, wet bat. Right. You know? Now they boil it. I mean, they work so hard to make sure it's got no virus. All the flavor is gone. <laughs> right. Oh, right. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.